Welcome to the Crave Magazine Podcast, feeding your soul with art. What is life if you don't have art? Give your art to the world because the world needs that. Embrace mentors. Look at the people who have already done what you've done. If you have enough discipline and enough focus, then you're able to achieve what you want to achieve. Sometimes you have to stand out to fit in. All right, today I am with Benjamin Buren. He is a professional photographer with over 20 years experience in the industry and he is the owner of the Boulder, Colorado-based Alive Studios. Benjamin shoots weddings and portraiture. He also uh, has been branching out into other areas of photography lately and he has built a wonderful team in Alive Studios and a wonderful business and we'll be diving deeper into both today as we chat. Benjamin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. All right. Uh, let's start off with um, an inspiration. I like to start every show off with kind of an ins- inspiring quote or an inspiring piece of artwork or imagery or even even an inspiring artist, somebody that has influenced you. Excellent. Well, I'm going to go with a quote on this one. And um, in fact, I have this quote on the end of every email I send out for probably the past 15 years. Um, it's not a, um, a unique quote, but the person that I heard it from was, a, um, was a, one of my few mentors slash teachers in my life. But um, it says, power flows where your attention goes. And it's a nice way and just quickly, like slightly rhyming way of just reminding us all to, um, to know that we have control of our life and we can, we can look at it how we look at it. Yeah, that's a great one. I, uh, I even remembered having not talked to you for an extended period of time when I got an email. I was like, yeah, it's the same quote he's had on there since the day I met him. And um, I've heard it many different ways, and I think it's a fa- I think it's the, rings true. Let's learn a little bit more about you, your story. Like, how did you become a professional photographer or make that transition? So let's hear your journey. Cool. Well, I'll give you um, I'll give you a quick version of it, and then we can delve in deeper if there's something else you want to talk about. I actually started out life as um, as an engineer, and uh, my dad was an electrical engineer, my mom was an artist, and we had a kind of very odd life. We lived on a hippie commune for a long time, and until I was in about sixth grade or whatnot. Um, but as we kind of left that, I uh, I followed in my dad's footsteps as being the eldest born son of uh, four children. And as I thought about college, I just decided to go to school for electrical engineering, just like my dad was an electrical engineer. And I got into to college at RIT in Rochester, New York, which happens to be in the town where Kodak is set up. That was that was interesting. And so, I'm, you know, I'm in college and I eventually switched out of electrical engineering into industrial engineering, which was a little bit more people oriented. I found that I didn't learn my calculus proper and uh, enjoyed people more. Somewhere along the lines, um, actually, I still remember I bought this uh, a Canon AE-1 from a, a, a photography student named Iggy, who was from uh, from Japan. He was bailing out, decided to go home, and, and I bought the camera setup, started playing around, and uh, ended up shooting pictures of this woman, Lori, who I was kind of sort of dating or whatnot, and loved the pictures and started messing around with the camera, and eventually... Uh, a friend asked me if I would come to his wedding, and I said, yeah, I'll take some pictures at your wedding. And I think I borrowed a, uh, a Nikon uh, D, or it was not D, a Nikon 6006, and shot some pictures. He loved them. I somehow told my dad that I needed a camera, and he actually bought my first Nikon for me. And that started off kind of shooting some weddings. 
and that was 22 years ago. I ended up eventually giving up my consulting career, which I um, manifested out of the engineering. I was doing engineering consulting for about five or six years in Rochester. Bought some properties, um, launched into life, but was playing with a camera all along. And eventually decided I needed to move and leave Rochester. Uh, I had an epiphany one time, uh, heading to work, came out and saw this sunflower I had planted and realized as I was thinking about it, wrote a poem about it, that the three things I wanted in life were uh, a career, something I was dedicating my, my passion to, um, a relationship with a woman, and uh, eventually a family, and a container that would hold that all, um, be it the house or the environment around me. And I ultimately realized that I had the, the first two, but the environment of Rochester, New York, which is rainy and cloudy, the same amount of times that it is sunny in, uh, in Boulder, was just not, uh, not feeding me. And so I gave up the, ultimately sort of gave up the career and the, and the, and the woman and went on a solo or a, like a sojourn and found Boulder. I moved here eventually consulting a little bit, but quickly just got locked into the beautiful life of Boulder and let that go and started doing more photography. The thing that hit me first that really launched my career was having this guy, I still remember his name was Clay. He worked for um, the Perfect Wedding Guide. And he convinced me to meet with him and spend $2,000 on an ad. And I placed an ad and they started sending me these leads, um, emails of brides that had signed up to get marketing information. And I sat on them for six months. And I was dating this woman, uh, Kristen, and we sat down one day and she helped me write a letter and we decided to print it out on nice paper and hand address about 400 letters, put on little love stamps and sent them out to, uh, to 400 brides from this leads list. And I started getting calls and I got a call and people came in and I scheduled and I ended up scheduling about five weddings in the course of two weeks and had a moment where a person was on their way coming and I realized I had already booked that day. And I was like, I got to figure this out. And I put a schedule together and how to track this stuff. And I still use that schedule like 18 years later, same format. And that launched me into to wedding photography, which was what got me really going on photography. Now I do all types of photography. And that's kind of the, the transition. You, you had mentioned the beautiful life of Boulder. So just for those who don't live in Colorado or, or even live here and don't know the beautiful life of Boulder, what do you mean by that? Well, it's funny. It's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, for the first probably five years I lived here, you know, I had friends from back east would ask me, you know, about Boulder. And I would say, well, there's like three reasons that I love Boulder. There's the environment. And it's absolutely amazing, the environment. You can be, I mean, there's days in April where I have been up snowboarding um, at eight in the morning and hitting the slopes and then come down to Boulder and get on my mountain bike and go mountain bike around the lake in my mountain biking shorts. You know, it's um, it's a pretty epic environment. Uh, there's everything you could possibly want to do. And it's so beautiful. So the environment was one main thing. Um, in Boulder, Colorado itself, uh, the people, I really found everybody here that I've encountered and or not everybody, but most of them are forward thinking, moving, going, doing things. Um, they're happy to be here. The environment just adds to that. Back in uh, Rochester, it's cold and rainy and most of the people are overweight and there's a lot of negativity. You know, here it's pretty positive and I, I just enjoyed the people. I mean, we do lack a little diversity, but beyond that, it's... Um, <laughs> it's a pretty amazing place. And then the third thing I would say that was people would always kind of laugh about 
um, and, and not be clear about, but I would say, so there's the environment and there's the people and then there's the government and they would be yeah, or whatever, you know, but honestly in Boulder, I've found in no other place have I lived that I enjoy how people are trying to govern their local surroundings. We have, um, we have bike racks on the front of the buses. We have open space, which surrounds Boulder to keep it from being sucked up as a suburb of uh, Denver, like LA has done to hundred miles around them. We have really, really strict building laws, which as much as they're frustrating at times, they keep things much more beautiful. We don't have strip malls popping up left and right. Um, you know, they, they're looking to keep the place nice. And so those three things, uh, just made this a place to be. So, and obviously that's helped your craft along the way or influenced you in some way along the way, I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the beauty of finding locations to shoot in. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, there's the money that's in Boulder. I mean, if you wake up in the morning and you're going by 8 a.m., like uh, my East Coast you know, beliefs got me to be, you're ahead of half the people here. So you're you're doing well. And there's Boulder just continues to grow. If you know how to run a business, there are plenty of people here that will spend money on photography if you market yourself properly. No, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, how, how about some challenges that you may have had along the way? And you talked about the success with uh, setting out the wedding information, and you even mentioned just now like the marketing, uh, marketing yourself properly. What about challenges or things that got in your way? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I would say for the first probably five to seven years, there wasn't much that got in the way. It was being an engineer and being a business oriented person. It was easy for me to to put into place uh, email marketing schemes and uh, and letters and sending those out and getting people to work for me to do that. And then initially, I would sit down and I, I created a form that tracked every single aspect of a wedding from the first call through to the meeting through to the actual shooting the wedding, the editing of the images. Well, actually, this is back before we edited. Um, this was back in film. But everything that happened, and I created a way to price those properly. And then as I got better and had more portfolios to show, I would just say, okay, instead of making $25 an hour, let's make 50. And I remember there was a time when every year I was doubling my prices. And I got up to somewhere in the $200 an hour range, um, plus some additional fees. And I was shooting 60 to 70 weddings a year. And I was employing um, three to five people that were you know, going out on teams and things were flowing well. And then uh, I say the first block that I ran or not block, but the first challenge I ran into was digital. And uh, at first, digital didn't affect me. It was like, OK, yeah, you know, go out and hire a spray and pray photographer and you might get some work, you know, whatever. I was an artist. I shoot <laughs> film. every time I push the button. It's one dollar and I'm really an artist and people love that. Then I started to see that these people who had been shooting weddings for one or two or three years were actually producing work that was looking pretty damn good, almost as good as mine. And then a couple of years later, it was looking better. So I embraced digital and I started to learn about that. But I never fully recovered how to market my business um, in the digital world because it was flooded with people who had time and energy to put into it. Uh, younger photographers, I think I had my kind of like my my heyday when I was throwing all my energy into it. So if that had happened in a digital age, maybe, but that was probably my biggest challenge. And so I diversified and I started doing a lot of other things and, you know, I still do weddings and, and all that, but it definitely, that was the biggest challenge is how to respond to your market going from 25 to 30 photographers in Boulder that can kind of shoot a wedding and that people know about to 500. 
Yeah. And also the internet came along at the same time. So then suddenly searching for a photographer wasn't about picking up a magazine where I'd paid a $2,000 ad. It was about getting on and finding a website that someone, you know, put up for 25 bucks. That's interesting because, yeah, the searching online makes it, I mean, you can find virtually anything at any time just by picking up your phone. And um, I was wanted to, I've always wondered this, I've never asked you, um, your studio name is Alive Studios. Was that named in part because A is the first letter and arrives and it shows first in the uh, phone book? No, um... Well, I don't know. That might have come about. I do remember watching an episode of Friends where he named his painting AAA Painting or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that really had anything to do with it. Um, where the, the name Alive came from actually was way back when I first started the business, I got a lot of feedback from people that my portraits, this is before I moved to Boulder, looked really lifelike. They were like, wow, people look alive in these pictures. And they look like they're actually doing what they're doing. And for a while, I had um, it was an acronym I had made up, and Alive stood for Actual Life in Visual Expression, A L I V E. And I dropped that after a while. Um, so it wasn't really the you know the top of the phone book kind of thing, which doesn't matter anymore anyway. Right, right. What uh, what's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned over the years as a as a photographic artist? Boy, that's a tough one. Um, there's a song I love uh, by Van Morrison called Professional Jealousy. I used to keep my head in the sand around other photographers. Um, I thought, I'm going to do my thing. I do what I do. I don't need to interact with them. Um, they don't have much to teach me, that kind of thing. And I did that for 10 to 12 years until I finally started a studio uh, that I actually um, rent out to other photographers. And I have a cooperative that allows uh, photographers to use this studio and started interacting with them and having meetings where we would all share what was going on. And things changed drastically when I started doing that, just opening up to the fact that we all have so much to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that, that was an amazing um, realization. I wish I had, I had learned that a lot earlier. That's interesting. I, I had that same exact thing happen to me when I decided to go back to finish school and I decided to go back for photography and the, the critiques, the, doing the student critiques, where you've got anywhere from 10 to 20 other photographers in a classroom and you're showing your work for them to critique and give feedback on. It's, I think it's truly amazing and, and very helpful and I think it elevates one's career that much faster, that much quicker. Absolutely. What do you love most about what you do? Wow, I love a lot of it. Um, <laughs> I have this conversation often with people and you know I might not always be thrilled to be out shooting a wedding um, there are times when we're shooting weddings, we have a name for them, we call them Velveeta weddings, meaning they're not only cheesy, but they're like processed cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when are we going to do the this and when is this going to happen? And I still make those look beautiful. And even though I may not have the best time reflecting back on it later, I'm like, wow, I was just getting paid you know, a couple hundred dollars an hour to be out holding a camera. And so, you know, having a camera in my hand, even though it's not all the time. And honestly, I would say probably of all the work I do in my business, it's probably 10 to 15% of the time that I'm actually camera in hand. You know, there's editing, there's marketing, there's discussions, there's all that kind of stuff. But I love the fact that that's my instrument. Kind of like people ask me sometimes, do you play a musical instrument? And I'm like, yeah, I play my camera. (laughs) You know, that's that's what I like to do. And I also absolutely and totally love um, seeing and getting the responses of the people who uh, who I take pictures of and seeing them happy. There are artists out there who say, oh, I do my art for my art's sake. I don't care what people think. 
I think that's a lot of BS. Um, maybe that's their thing. But to me, I get totally jazzed when people love what I do for them. When I get love letters and I get, you know, things saying, you know, wow, we love this and, and this is amazing. And thank you so much for the wedding stuff. That makes me feel good. Um, how do you how do you combat the um, kind of the big head syndrome that can come along with that? <laughs> Well, part of it's that professional jealousy is realizing there's always someone else out there doing way better than I am. I don't know that I get the big head concept around it. Um, whenever I do, I just up my prices a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually you know, up them a little too much. And I don't think I've ever dropped them uh, back down again, but I've definitely mellowed out on that. I don't think actually, unfortunately, with the digital age the way it is now, I haven't upped my prices in probably um, five years, um, in, you know, overall. But um I don't get a big ego about it. Um, I get schooled by other photographers and I see people come in that have been doing it for three years that are producing images that just blow me away. Yeah. And um, and I drop back to then, okay, it's the marketing. I gotta do the marketing. I see people who market their stuff who are doing way better than I am. And in my opinion, their photography is nothing, but they're just incredible marketers. Right, sure. And so you just gotta realize that it's, a, it's an industry and there's so much going on in it. And it's not about being the best, it's about making a uh, for me for me it's about making a living and being happy about it i i do have um you know some remorse i'm you know i'm turning 50 here this year and uh i realize that i'm probably not going to be an incredibly famous jet setting playboy fashion photographer <laughs> and that was actually a dream in my 20s or 30s and somehow i, I missed that um so hey you know whatever <laughs> sure i think i think probably every artist goes through that phase of you know, seeing themselves on on a much larger stage, and um, I don't think there's anything absolutely wrong with someone being on a smaller stage. I liken it to that movie, Mr. Holland's Opus. Did you see that? I have not. Well, I'm not going to give it away then. <laughs> but it's All but right. it's about a it's basically about a musician who has dreams of being a famous, uh, you know, in a famous band or something like that. Ends up becoming a school teacher, and then it carries through for there. So, it's it's one that you would like. You should check it out. <laughs> I will. No, and I get that. It's, um, you know, my dream of what I'm going to be as a photographer. There are times when I get a little bummed out and I'm like, wow, yeah, here I'm just scraping out an existence, you know, shooting portraits and babies and weddings and corporate stuff and whatever. But then I'll drop back to like the other day, my daughter, you know, was in town. Um, she lives with her mom sometimes and is coming back to live with me. And she's like, dad, like, do you really work? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm at my computer doing this and that. She goes, yeah, but you don't, you don't like go to, to work like my mom's dad or you know, my mom's husband does. And I'm like, well, no, I, I create my own life. And she's like, well, and she was actually starting to get interested about that. She's like, wow, well, how do you do that? You know, and I just told her this is what I do. And I hold a camera in my hand and sometimes it's not glamorous, but uh, and then there are other times when it totally is glamorous and I get these amazing jobs and, you know, I, I go and I work for three hours and get paid $3,000 for it every once in a while. Something crazy comes up and people really appreciate that. And I'm not marketing myself to always be doing that, but man, I love it. And I also get to create. Um, I have, you know, libraries full of just creations that no one's ever even seen that need to get on my website eventually that my daughter was flipping through uh, all the images I've taken of her the other day, finally became interested. 14 years worth of libraries. And she kept being like, oh, my God, oh, why'd you take that? Oh, this is great. Wow. And she pulled like 50 of them out and started posting them on Pinterest and got this blow up on her Pinterest page, you know? <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. So um, you, t you talked a little bit about affecting your life and how photography directly affected your life but in what in other ways like you mentioned earlier about like having 
a cool career, a cool place to live, and a cool relationship. And so how being a professional photographer and just dedicating yourself to your craft, how has it affected the other things that you do? Well, one of the main things is I don't work nine to five. And um, being a photographer, that's not how it works. I mean, you might get up and get on the computer or whatever, but I have the ability to schedule my life in such a way that I can go on a big, you know, I can go do things. I can get up uh, and go play tennis at 10 in the morning. I can go on a vacation for a week to wherever. And that freedom um, to be able to be the kind of the dictator of, or not dictator is not the right word. Um, the creator of my own life is what photography has given me. Um, but I have to say, I mean, that being said, some of it came from engineering school. Some of it came from my parents giving me this and that. A lot of it came from dropping into photography in a good time. But I feel like I could go out and be a successful businessman in almost anything. I've learned how to play that game. And that was probably that would probably be the biggest thing I would say to any aspiring photographers is that, yeah, learn how to be a photographer and learn the art of how to how to create these images. But as equally important learn how to hustle um, photography and how to actually be a good businessman. I mean, most importantly, today it happened actually. Sitting in my computer, I hear ding, ding, I look over at my email and so it's an inquiry from a bride. And I immediately called her and you know, a minute after the email came in, get her on the phone and she's laughing and she's like, oh my God, thank you for calling me back. Like, this is amazing. Like what you were like, and I'm like, yeah, that's how we make business happen. You know, follow up, um, always be responsive to people. I mean, as a business person, if you're not responding to people within, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 hours, you're not going to get that business. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the most amazing things to learn is, is how to be a good business person and really provide more than what your client expects. And I totally pride myself on that. My all I have had probably in 20 years, I can count on both hands the number of unhappy clients. And those are just from odd situations. Thousands of clients love, you know, my business interaction and hopefully my photography. <laughs> well, that's good. You said, I mean, you had, you mentioned a couple, I think, really cool tips or, or points. One earlier, you said that you probably spend only 10 to 15 percent of your time with camera in hand. Most of the time is working your business or editing photos or those sorts of things. And I think, I think that's a really interesting point for people that are working as artists, um, you know, hey man, I just want to create art, but there's a whole other side of it that I think that a lot of people miss out on. But then the flip side of that is that you've been able to create this life that you can do the things that you want to do and travel and have the experiences that you want to experience wrapped around the work that you do and not spending, you know, not a typical nine to five or whatever that a lot of people do. So I think both those points are very valid. and. My next question, I guess, based on what you had said about marketing and... and um, Jim, just real quick, back to one thing you said before you go. Yeah. Um, the, I just want to create art thing. I just want to, you know, do what I do thing. Right. I have a really strong opinion on that. And if Mother Teresa had said, I just want to be peaceful and sat around being peaceful, she would not have affected the world the way that she did. Artists, peacemakers, musicians or whatever, the ones that just want to create their art and don't really care, okay, go for that, whatever. But if you can go out there and share your art and share your peacemaking with thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. How much more effective is that? Yeah, I just had to. I had to sit there for a minute and, and let that resonate a little bit. I, that's actually a really good follow up to the question I have. So, um, 
yeah, let's take that a little bit deeper. Um, you personally, what? Who are three artists that really inspire you? You talked earlier about getting together with an art collective and things like that. Who? They, and they don't have to be photographers. Just any kind of artists or musicians or whatever that you find inspiring and why. <laughs> That question I want to answer in a second because honestly, I don't have a lot of artists that I look up to. I don't have, I haven't studied different photographers or different this or that. And if I could go back and talk to my 15, 20 year old self, the number one piece of advice times 10 that I would give them is embrace mentors. Look at the people who have already done what you've done. I was incredibly powerful in my engineering and in my photography at smashing through the barriers and banging my head up against things, climbing over the wall, going under, doing whatever I got to do to get it done. But I spent just exorbitant amounts of energy doing that. And if I had honestly looked at other photographers and studied them a little bit more and taken on a mentor um, that could help me, I would be so much further along right now than I am. And I got to remind myself of that every day because even so now I still struggle with embracing mentors and figuring out how to to be inspired by those that are doing what you do. So I don't have a really pat answer of, oh, yeah, I'm a total Ansel Adams fan or, oh, my God, this photographer is this or whatever. There's no one that comes to mind that I've actually modeled after or tried to learn from. And I wish that I had a different answer. Well, how about this? Um, let me reframe that question. Then we'll talk about the other piece in a second. Like, where do you draw your inspiration from? Like, for example, what music do you listen to? Where do you right. where do you go back to when you're just like, man, I really need to hear this because it's it's powerful or we're like what book do you return to year after year? OK, so it'll be slightly different than what you're talking about. Um, but as you're talking, the things that came to me were women. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the beauty of women. And um, one of my passions is, you know, shooting pictures of brides are amazing to work with and seeing them in love with their husbands and and all that or probably the most consistent um, non-paid gig that I do is working with um, really creative and fun editorial type uh, fashion shoots where I'll create a theme or I'll have a, a woman come to me saying, I want to create this theme. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's do that. Um, I just love seeing the beauty that can come out of that. The, the emotion it evokes in me and, you know, being a, a man who appreciates beauty, that's definitely one place I draw, uh, draw from uh, nature is another one um, being out and about. I'm not I don't consider myself a nature photographer, but um, when I am out and about, I draw from the beauty I see around me. My eye is constantly always framing things. My daughter says it sometimes and it, it, it warms my heart now. Occasionally she'll say things like, you know, at age, I think around 10, she started saying, wow, this is really good light <laughs> or, you know, or wow, look over there, you know, look at that. You could, you know, whatever. And she's just, you know, framing back what I've said to her around how I see the world. And then probably the third thing uh, would be I really get off on business, on on uh, getting a deal. You know, when I have people come into my studio and, and interview with me and I'm pitching a wedding to them, I have an incredible repertoire of, uh, of approaches that I go through. And when they decide at the end of the night, you know, I pitched a $4,000 wedding to them and they write me a check for a deposit right there and they leave and I schedule that into my thing. Or when I call, you know, I, I love the passion of, of getting the job, you know, and, and how that works. That, that really kind of, kind of stokes me. Do you think that that's something that is an innate talent or do you think that that's something that you refined over the years and, and you put in your, you know, 10,000 hours, as they say? 
It's it, it's a combination of both for sure. Um, I've had people sit in a room with me when I'm pitching or even to like, uh, no, yesterday I have a different business. I'm working with a business partner. We we're out on a hike and he's like, you have this social ability that is so valuable to this business. Like we haven't even talked about that yet. That's the area we need you in. And some of that comes naturally, but a lot of it is the thousand hours. I mean, you know, when I pitch a wedding, I've probably spoken through this relatively similar approach, maybe a thousand times. And um, I've learned and um, but one of the most important aspects of that is paying really close attention, observing, you know, don't get stuck into a sales track, observe how people react to you. And I sometimes think of it like a tree that's growing up and you start out at the trunk and you got a million different avenues and which branch are you going to end up at the end of it depends on how you uh how you pay attention yeah it's like climbing climbing a wall for those people who who climb yeah finding the right crack or the right hold or yeah if, it could all go wrong if you reach too far or if you reach grab something unstable absolutely um let's go a little bit deeper why do you why should we care about art why should we care about art wow <laughs> uh for me it's inspirational um I can't think of many days when I don't have a moment of almost tears at seeing something beautiful and amazing or listening. I'm, I'm just as much into music as I am into visual art. It marks a time in history for us. Uh, each day that goes by, everything that's created is what's created by the collective of, of who we are. Um, I love to look back on art from years past, um, but primarily I would just say the emotion that it generates in us. I mean, imagine life without art. I don't know. I don't even see that that's a, po a possibility. I mean, there would be some type of art in some way, maybe even in the way you step and the way you, you walk or who you are. Sure. Yeah. Is it possible to save art in its traditional form? I mean, so often we hear about art programs being cut in schools and cut in other areas of life where people just aren't paying as close attention at a young age to art as they used to. There will never be um, a time when there aren't artists, I don't believe. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sad to hear about the schools that don't have the art programs and all that, but the artists in their hearts who feel it will find a way. It's a little bit of a bummer that certain kids that are like in between that gray area that might have been artists or might have really thrown into art don't get that opportunity. Um, but how do we save art? I don't think we need to save art. Art will always be here. Um, I mean, with the internet now and with the creation, we're creating images at just untold you know numbers more than we ever used to be and, and what you can get out there and look at and see now i remember when i used to keep a file of cool things i saw in magazines i would rip the magazine out like here's a really cool like poster image or here's where i would take the old calendars and cut them out and throw them into this flat file and these were like cool things i'd bring them out and show them to people now i can get on the internet and in one second call up a hundred billion different pieces of art or whatever and, you know, track any of it. I used to even keep it on my hard drive for a while. And I'm like, I don't even need to do that. I can just type it in whenever I want to. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, and you mentioned going out in nature and like the experiences that you have with your daughter. Have you ever challenged yourself to shoot nature the way you shoot a wedding? Like to just go out and shoot? I do on occasion. Um, I remember reading 20 some odd years ago, a book called Bridges of Madison County. And it's about, um, I think he's a National Geographic photographer and, and he gets given a, a, a task to go to Madison County and shoot these covered bridges. Ends up falling in love and shooting this woman also. But he describes in one section of the book, going back to this bridge over the course of two or three days and shooting it from every angle in different light. And it just always inspired me in realizing that you can go out and find so many different things to shoot in nature. Like when I when I train photographers that work with me, 
one of my first things we do is we'll go out with a camera and we'll walk around the lake, Wonderland Lake near my house and um, and shoot pictures. And, you know, oh, cool. That looks like a neat fence. OK, cool. Take a picture of that and I'll take a picture of it. And then we'll come back to the office. We'll load them up on the computer and we'll see the different ways we represented that. Sure. You know, oh, here's this and here's depth of field and here's perspective. So, yeah, I do it. Um, definitely. Um, <laughs> funny enough, as much as I love my camera, I finally realized that I'm not using it very often because the number one thing for photographers and best nature photographers or anything is, you know, you got to you got to be there. Yeah. And you got to have your camera. I just recently decided and researched and bought an iPhone 7 Plus as much as I hate the form factor and it's huge because it takes these incredibly amazing pictures. Yeah. I compared it to Google Pixel and decided ultimately to go with this one. And I'm out there and now I've probably taken a dozen pictures that I've posted that I consider viable art um, on my iPhone because I'm out there taking pictures and, and I'm in the environment without having to lug my camera out there. It's interesting because you said earlier you were very reluctant to move into digital and it seems like you may maybe have done a shift where now you're embracing the digital technology like to its fullest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, initially, the reluctance was just from the lack of quality and also from what I was seeing as um, as reducing the art form of it. Um, but I, uh, you know, I bought a Nikon D70 uh, first. I remember the first wedding I went to, I brought the two Nikon 6006 film cameras and my assistant, I said, you know, why don't you take the D70 and play around for a little bit? And during the reception, I actually took it over for a minute and started playing around with it and shooting. And that was the last wedding that I didn't use a digital camera as my primary wedding or wedding you know, camera. It's like, wow, look at the power of this thing. Holy wow. You can you can do incredible stuff with this. And I, I funny story, though, I had um, one photographer way back when battling that um, th this concept around it. And she was saying and I agreed with this. She's like, well, with the digital, you're constantly looking and the feedback is so quick and you're like you're not getting in that zone. And I knew what she meant by the zone. I'd had it numerous times before that where you're working with a couple or an individual and you're just feeling so good about what you know you're getting because you're a good enough photographer. You know your light. You know your settings are right. And you're just shooting and you're, you're working with this client. And it's like this beautiful dance. And you, it goes on for maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. You start shooting digital and then, you know, every minute or two, you're checking your images. You're looking and you don't get in that zone because you're you're interrupting it. So we're having this argument and she looks at me and she's like, well, just don't look. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, OK, that makes sense. I can go right back in the zone. But then how did I learn to shoot silhouettes? Well, man, it was a lot easier when you could look at what you saw on the screen instead of wasting a whole tire roll of film, you know, came out black. Um, so, yes, I've embraced digital fully. And honestly, unfortunately, haven't picked up a film camera in I don't know how many years. I still have one 6006. I kept it just for posterity's sake. <laughs> you know, when people tell me, oh, I love film, I'm like, that's great. You know, embrace the feeling. Um, but I can create anything that you can create on your film camera. I can create with my digital camera. You know, there are effects out there that make it look like I'm shooting, you know, film that was made 50 years ago or whatever. So I can create it and I can create it just as well as you can on film. So just enjoy your experience. So do we have a look forward future wedding shot on on an iPhone? <laughs> uh, boy, I don't know. The, the, new, uh, the new iPhone has a portrait mode that does um, a blur of the background, but it's it's in its infant stages right now. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't see a, a camera like that replacing the ability to shoot with a 7200 2.8 um, lens and get the bo bouquet that you're looking for. Um, I think that you're going to get 
amazing photography. And yes, I think right now you could shoot a wedding with this camera, um, but it wouldn't be the same wedding that I shoot. Yeah. You know, and I think that it, you know, who would have thought that everybody has a camera in their pocket that shoots better than a, a film camera ever could. And, you know, uh, 10 years from now, we might be shooting weddings with our cell phones. And the difference will be that people sitting in the audience won't have the, 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 the fundamental skills of framing and composition and that sort of thing. But I, I think it may come. There may be a day. Well, absolutely. There's the photography skills. And then, I mean, I see now more and more often. I'll, <laughs> I remembered when uh, I would see people at weddings that were shooting a camera that was a better camera than mine. You know, I had the D700 and here comes a D800 and there's Uncle Joe that has the D810 or whatever. But even if they know photography skills, shooting a wedding requires so much more than your photography skills. It requires the ability to interact with people and set groups up and know how to pose families and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that'll go away. What I do see, though, with the digital cameras, especially the iPhones, the really nice ones nowadays, is that not knowing anything, you can shoot pictures that will be better than a professional photographer because a lot of professional photographers are using their cameras and, and the cameras aren't doing all the work for them. Mm -hmm. And they don't know how to edit. And so their pictures actually, and I even see this sometimes myself, I'm like, wow, I just took that picture. I'm a professional and I spent time editing it. And I just saw one on an iPhone posted on Facebook of the same scene and it looks better than my picture. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> So then what do you think, you talked a little bit about this earlier too, but as far as the business side of it, but is that what you think holds most artists back from becoming a professional or being able to, to do their craft full time? Is not knowing how to interact with the people? Well, not knowing how to run it as a business, not, not having those marketing skills and the other business skills that you talked about earlier. Oh, absolutely. And thank God, because if everyone knew how to do it, then it would be even harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you had to talk about your 20 year old self and finding a mentor so now that you're almost 50 who's going to be your who's going to be your next mentor or your first mentor it wouldn't necessarily be the first but almost and that's a tough question and uh, i'm gonna have to ponder that after this interview because as much as i've given that advice for years since i first realized it probably 15 years ago i haven't overly changed my ways um, <laughs> well, i appreciate your honesty <laughs> I considered going to WPPI this year, um, didn't quite make it happen, but to go and listen to a lot of other people out there. Um, I know uh, Peter Hurley is an amazing, uh, you know, uh, portrait photographer. There are some amazing wedding photographers. Um, yeah, I need to get online and start looking around at more people and being inspired by them and, and go learn from them. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll circle back and follow up offline and... and in a week or two and we'll find out if you've got someone. So Benjamin, what are you working on today? What's what's exciting you and, and what do you have planned for 2017? 2017, oh boy, let's see. It is the year of getting stuff done. Um, I, before this call, was actually going through, uh, let's see, the first one, it's on my other screen here. 2005, August 15th, I shot uh, Kyle and he was a senior. And so I think that's right about when I started shooting digital was 2005, obviously. And going through what looks to be, uh, boy, I don't know how many folders of seniors I've shot over the year. It looks like 100. And categorizing them and getting them out on my website. That's just, I, I started giving myself tasks. Hmm. In fact, um, I'm doing this, uh, this program through the Integral Center in Boulder called The List. It's a seven-week program where you, um, you categorize your habits that you want to, you know, start doing more often, and then your projects. Start with the habits and get those down and work into the projects. 
And finally, I'm finding, yeah, I'm scheduling stuff in and I'm just, I'm really coalescing all my work and getting down and kind of uh, distilling it down to what I feel is my best work to present that out there. And then I'm also in the hand, in the process of, um, I think you know a little bit about this, but we finally got rid of our old programmers and we're, um, we just hired today a new programming firm out of India um, to really drop some energy into a software company I own called ProImage Software, which is a, a display and um purchasing program for, for photographers that do weddings and portraits. Um, so throwing some time into that. Yeah. And just living my life. And uh, my daughter's coming to live with me for high school. And I think I'm going to start kind of starting to transfer some of what I do to her. If she's interested, she's, she's showing interest. So at least helping her learn business acumen and, and how to move forward in that. So you're just going to live the beautiful life in Boulder. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and Benjamin, you mentioned the pro image software. That's that's for professional photographers or amateurs? yeah, for professional photographers. It's um, it's a platform uh, where they can display their weddings or portrait photography online, and then uh, their clients can go and look and see that, and then go ahead and order either digital files or prints, and have those delivered to them. Um, and we're actually taking that into the um, the HTML5 cell phone range, where you'll be able to you know be on your phone and flipping through it like Facebook. And um, we're, we're very confident that that's going to be a, a prosperous business for us. Are photographers, photographers, excuse me, able to sign up now? Can they go to the platform and, and sign up? They can. Yeah, they can go to uh, www.promagesoftware.com and we've got um, a 45-day free trial at this point. Okay. So there you go. Um, we've got proimagesoftware.com, one of Benjamin's businesses that um, I have personal experience on. And it's a great piece of software. Um, and f- folks that aren't professional photographers that just want to check out Benjamin's work, please do. It's alivestudios.com. And um, I bet if you, Benj- if you Googled the name Benjamin Buren, it would come right up on the top of Google as well. So uh, Benjamin, I really appreciate being on the show today. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your great lessons in business and not just in photography and art. Um, We don't get a lot of artists that go as heavy into business aspects as you did. So I really appreciate you talking about it because it's definitely something that uh, I think people as artists tend to lack in. So thank you for that. And just thanks for being on the show, man. Excellent, Jim. Thanks for the time to, uh, to talk with everyone. And, uh, I don't know. Last thought I would say is um, if you're into photography or art anyway, just drop in and, and appreciate it and figure out a way to keep doing it because it, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Benjamin. Appreciate the time. All right. Good night. All right. Another episode of the Crave Magazine podcast. The music for this episode is once again brought to you by the band Desert Dwellers. Please do check out their work their upcoming tour dates and more information on the band at desertdwellers.org. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. And with your help, we can make that happen. So please take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. And if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know. And if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts. So tell us how we can improve. Remember, always be good to one another. And of course, take time to feed your soul with art.